people who need people are the happiest people in the world. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hey, welcome to the focus group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. If you heard our little tease in the beginning, I had to laugh. The in our shop talk, we're going to talk about happy people. And this there's a Harvard study that's going on at 70 some year, what 1930 something, whatever the yeah, study came yeah. out. They've gotten more mileage out of as we have. They've gotten more <laughs> mileage out of that story. They're always finding something about people um and about happiness and the 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 key to life and the key to longevity and all that so in our shop talk segment later on in the show we'll we'll reveal what uh the fact that people need people i guess I, I, <laughs> why am i thinking of barbara streisand it is, is that... barbara streisand song <laughs> okay. yeah i had friends of mine who use that as their wedding song which i thought was a little bit i don't know <laughs> If you don't want Tim at a wedding, you're going to get a little later. You'll get a critique. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was there was a woman at uh, Subaru who you know, and she and her husband were not getting along, and they've they've since divorced. And uh, we were all at a wedding for somebody at Subaru, and and someone leaned over and said to her, uh, "What was your wedding song?" And her husband, without skipping a beat, goes, "Highway to Hell." <laughs> <laughs> By ACDC. Anyway, so um, so thanks for joining us here. John and I do our little bit of get catch up for the week here on Wednesday. If you're following along on our live stream of YouTube and or Facebook, find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com. There you'll find our sponsors. Please click on them, including Deep Discount, which we'll talk about later in the show. And then you'll also see the download to follow along with our Tuesday podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. So that's all under focusgroupradio.com. So what, what, what was that, Mr. Nash? You had something. I was uh, taking care of my mom last week, as you know, and I was visiting her and on a uh, Friday night. I was making her dinner. And after dinner, my niece called from Maryland, my youngest niece, um, and she and her boyfriend are getting married and they had the date picked out. And uh, it's going to be next March. And she had sent us she sent to, to my iPad, you know, some wedding gown pictures and a few other things. Oh, wow. I got to tell you, she and her her fiance have everything planned. I mean, she's got her dress. The bridesmaids should wear emerald green, but they can pick their own style of dress. Thank God, right? What time of year is the wedding? It's late March. Late March. That's nice. Are they? Is it going to be in Connecticut or somewhere Maryland? Else? It's going to be down in Maryland. Oh wow! And, they, yeah. and she sent me a, a link to this beautiful old estate where they're going to. It's like a brick house, and that's where it's going to be at. Everything's all all in one. My uncle, who used to be a, a priest, is going to officiate the ceremony. Oh, that's nice. And then here's something that blew my mind about. I love my niece. She's very clever. And she was worrying about the flowers already. And apparently, if you don't plan this stuff a year in advance, you're going to pay more and more and more as it gets closer to the date, right? She is renting silk flowers. Not only her bouquet, but all the arrangements and all the tables are going to be these silk flowers. And so I said, oh, I guess that looks... She sent me a picture. I couldn't tell you the difference between real or fake. And here's the greatest thing. When you're done, they go away and they don't have to get tossed or taken. And it's a fraction of the price of as if you went to a florist. <laughs> That's interesting. Somebody did. Somebody on Shark Tank was trying to sell that service. I wonder if this is the same group. They also were trying to sell the service of a um, cakes as well. In other cakes. words, they, yeah, they were going to do these enormous fake cakes. And, wow. then, and then. That's clever. Right, That's and then clever. The, then regular cake would just be cut in the back and brought out. So my my young niece says to me, she goes, you know, and as far as the dessert service goes, we're going to have a we're going to do but does dessert buffet, and we're going to just go to Giant and buy a, a cheap cake and decorate it and make it look nice to cut it for the wedding cake. But I don't want to spend everything on that big cake. And I just thought about it for a while, and I thought, you know, I had friends who did that too. They had a small wedding cake mm -hmm. that was just meant for the ceremony of cutting it. I just think that's more practical, don't you? Oh, I think the whole thing is, is practical. I, I, I think people, well, here we go again. I think far too much money. People spend a lot of money on, on, on weddings. And I, you often hear people say to uh, the bride and groom, the, the father particularly or whatever, the bride who ends up having to pay for these things. Yeah. You know, how about we give you a down payment on a house? <laughs> Which if I, was, if I was the kid, I would far take that. You yeah. know, I would take yeah. a down payment down on a house versus having spend a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a some over the top wedding. I mean, some of these weddings can be outrageous. They're crazy. 
So my mom's listening to this call and she said, oh, this is going to be so wonderful. What a wonderful day. And you're going to be happy forever after. And then for some reason, like diarrhea of the mouth, I simply come out and say, you know, honey, 50% of, of weddings or 50% of marriages end in divorce. <laughs> Debbie said, Downer, or Uncle John. <laughs> and, that, and that's what my niece actually you know. said. To me. She, goes, she goes, oh, thanks. <laughs> she knows me too well. That's why. You're bringing, bringing in all the practicalities of poor things excited about her marriage. You know, just don't, don't. Oh, get if we're going to talk about facts, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't get too excited about the marriage. Most end in divorce. <laughs> and my mom just looks at me like, why would I even say something like that? You know, on the eve of all this great stuff happening. So, well, that's wondering now is, is your other niece, uh, she has a wonderful boyfriend, and, uh, you know, she, Who's who's to, who can say? We'll we'll see how that relationship. Yeah, both of mine are like that too. That you know, who can say? Both have happy. nice boyfriends, but yeah. Uh, well, no, um, no dates. The, my youngest, yeah, my youngest one. She when she sent me the a picture of her engagement ring, it was she had her hand in front of her, and in back of her was a double decker bus, and what appeared to wow. be like buildings in Leicester Square, right? So I'm like, are you are you and your boyfriend in London? She goes, no, no, we're at the Harry Potter's Wizarding World and Universal <laughs> Russell Studios. It's like, okay, they love Harry Potter. So, well, there you go. And it was a big rock. It was a big diamond. And I was like, good job done there. You know, you got to get that one right, right? You got to get that. Now, does she live in right. Maryland now? Yes, she does. Okay. She works for Axios, actually. Oh, and, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, super. Because I sent her a note. Remember, I, did I should share the? You're reading a book. book. You're reading a yes, book. Yes, from... it's called "The Power of Brevity," and it's by Jim Van de Heij, one of the owners of, of Axios and founder of Politico. The book is short because it's about being short, but it's a really targeted. And I mentioned the book to her, and she said, "You know, we're all supposed to write emails and reports like that. Wow. It, it, we're supposed to follow the principle of brevity." And I was like, "Really?" She says, "It works quite well." She goes, "You believe me." You and I are familiar with this because Tim and I are working on a couple of big client projects, and we wonder how the people we work with absorb the information that's being dumped on them in 60-page PowerPoint. <laughs> well, you said you must get paid. They get paid by the page or paid by the uh, yeah. paid by the word. Yeah. No, you know, in a lot of those PowerPoints, I know years ago when you would get a PowerPoint, there's usually an executive summary at the back. And so you would go right, right to there. The well, because that's what you want to know. What happened? You know, what's yeah. the, you can go through all this reams and reams of research, but at the end of the day, tell me what the issues are. They and, bring that uh, up in that book I'm reading, The Power of Brevity. And, and in fact, one, author, one of the authors said, why, why even put all that in there? If the client asks you for all the backup, he right. said, but nine times out of 10, they're just going to want to get to the core of the matter. What did we learn? Two yeah, pages, done. Right. Why are people buying the car or the widget yeah. or the service what are they doing well they're buying it for a b and c oh okay mm -hmm. they're not buying it for x y and z well then how do we fix that and that's the end of the story yeah totally in my opinion anyway and you and i tim, tim and i grapple with this all the time and we work with our clients we, we're wondering are they it's a, it's like charles dickens dickens used to write by the word or be paid by the word that's right things like a christmas carol um, you know, uh, Nicholas Nickleby, all these stories are really long because mm -hmm. he, it was a serialized column every month or every week in the, in the London Times or something. So I guess when you get used to writing, and it, I guess it shows that you're doing your work or something, the more you, I don't know. We fi I fired an agency that charged by the word. <laughs> um, you're not kidding, are you? They actually no, charged it, by it the word. No, it was a PR firm, and... They were hired by one of my employees, and we had gone out to an event in Los Angeles. And you understood you understood the super executives, so you know where I'm going with this. But they mm -hmm. would change their speeches right up until the last minute, and they'd get loaded into the teleprompters, and then they would, you know, deliver the speech. And people and vendors who worked with us just understood that's the way it goes. Well, this PR new PR firm they hired, every time they made a change, it was fifteen dollars a word. Oh my God. So if they changed a uh, or the or two or four or added an S or changed a sentence around, every movement was $15. So they blew through $600,000 on one press conference. And they were supposed to do eight press conferences across the country, Sp spent the whole budget in Los Angeles and would not budge. And I said, you know what? I said, this is the first project and the last project you're ever going to work on with us. 
But what about Chicago? What about New York? What about, I said, no, 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 no. Well, you know, that's how we operate. I said, well, that's fine, but that's not how we operate. And so then I ended up hiring um, our friends, Adrian and, and, uh, and, and Reber to uh, help us to out with Roger to fix the problem. And they did it for us and fixed it and got everything up and running. But, um, and it was one of those things where, because we had a good relationship, they were able to do what they needed to do. And we took care of them later, but yeah, imagine $600,000 on one press conference. You know, this, this is, this is like business one one Um, we hired a research firm once to do research for Subaru and we were doing qualitative, um, focus groups, street intercepts, and a couple other things. And, the bill came in, and it was at least ten or fifteen thousand more than than, or I think it was about ten thousand more than we had actually budgeted for. And they knew the budget. We, this is we had a here's what you're going to do, here's the scope of work. The guy came in to collect the check, and he sat in front of me, and he said, "Are you happy with the?" I said, "Oh, we're you know we were not as happy as we should have been with the product. Let's put it that way." A B. Um, Greg was furious, my business partner, because he's like, who does this? Who who overspends the budget, doesn't tell us, and then thinks because we're working for a big corporation that they're going to just step in and pay it. And so he comes in, he sits down, I hand him the check. He goes, what's, what's the next project going to be? And I said, hey, I, I hate to tell you this. I said, but um, you went way over budget, and we just can't have that happening. And, um, you know, well, and, well, you know, they're a big company. They could afford it. And I, I remember Greg just looked at me because we used to have like partners dead. Like he could look across right. and see me and he just made, he just raised his eyebrows like what? And he, and he leans around and he says to uh, this guy, he says, you know, no, no, we budget it. They approve it. We get paid what they, he said. So Greg said, effectively, we've made nothing on this project. We're happy to pay you and you, you did a great job. But, you know, our, as an agency, our, our, pre, our thing was wiped out. And he just sat there holding the check. And, and then, then, of course, it sank. And he says, oh, he goes, I'll probably never do work for you again. I'm like, good to see you. <laughs> right? Is he still I mean, doing research? No, no. Mm-hmm. Out of that game. Yeah. That's a tough game. Research is a tough game, although I, I see some research that comes across. And I, I like research because I think a lot of it with numbers and predictions and mm-hmm. behavior is interesting. But um, Of course, the quality of the research depends on who's the what human being is a being asked the questions like a, a typical consumer air quotes. And then of course there's the moderator and the researcher who collates the data, but I agree with you. <laughs> I wonder if Hazel's still doing that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hazel Khan. But people would say, I don't know. I like that ad. Is it, you know, is that a car? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what do you mean? You don't know if it's a car. I know. I know this bird. I, I've seen this bird before. It's a bird. It's a bird. <laughs> British accent. It's a bird. She wouldn't give it anything away. It was a flamingo by the way, but it's... I still remember what she had. She had, her passport had expired. Yeah. And she was, and she had no, she was stuck like somewhere between Pakistan and, uh-huh. and some other, she said, so I just looked on the map and decided to go to Burma. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Who does that, right? Some call it Myanmar. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those things I just laughed. And I remember me going home and looking at the map of Burma. Yeah, which uh, I think it's us and the Brits that still call it Burma. Everybody else calls it Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, on that happy note, Mister Nash, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. We are traveling out to Las Vegas and the Strip Uh-oh. to say goodbye to something that I used to actually love, and I used to thought was built into every hotel out there. And it's this, folks. Las Vegas Strip sees once beloved dining choice disappear, and that dining choice is the all-you-can-eat buffet. You're kidding me. No, no. So just like showgirls, another Vegas tradition is biting the dust, and that would be the buffet, and it appears to be slowly dying. You can blame COVID, but the reality is that the beginning of the end for most buffets happened well before tourists began to question (laughs) whether serving themselves out of shared steamed trays was actually a good idea. I remember the buffet at Luxor. That was, I remember breakfast with Andrew. We would, Tim and I would get eggs and something else and Andrew would come back with Belgian waffles, ice cream. <laughs> was that a buffet? Because I was trying to remember, you know, everybody always said, oh, the buffets were cheap in Vegas. You and I, I don't think you and I went to, we couldn't we really find them. Some buffets, but we mostly went to restaurants with waitress service. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um. COVID caused a lot of buffets to close around the country, and many have not come back. In Vegas, the trend had been moving away from traditional low- and mid-price buffets even before the pandemic began. 
you know, it's uh, you, this was a this was a technique that the casinos used to use, you know, to, to get you in to play and to stay. Yeah. So, you know, offer cheaper, close to free food and you're and you're there for the for the yeah, thing. You're going to stay and gamble. Uh, the only buffets only on the Vegas Strip itself, only eight buffets remain. Um, the Bacchanal <laughs> at Caesar's Palace, the buffet at Bellagio, Wicked Spoon at the Cosmopolitan, the buffet at Wynn. I mean. Of all of them, the win has the most boring one. It's called the buffet, right? The buffet, and the MGM Grand Buffet, the buffet at Excalibur, the Circus Buffet at Circus Circus, and the buffet at Luxor, where once where eighteen once stood. Casino.org reported. It's worth noting that uh, Bacchanal at Caesar's Palace, the buffet at Bellagio, Wicked Spoon at Cosmo, and the buffet at the Win, and the MGM one are all high end. They're not your old school 20 or 30 buck, you know, all you can right. eat, load up the plate thing. Some of these places charge $100 for the buffet per oh person. Oh, my gosh. So at that point, you might as well just do, can I please have a menu kind of thing, right? Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So what they've done in their place is now they're, as they, as they adapt to this re- removal or the fading away of the old Vegas buffet, uh, they're doing something called food halls. So a food hall would have either a couple of different stations, like maybe it could have, you know, Italian, Asian, whatever the food could be. And I think they, they work with, they, they, their own chefs will do this. But Tim, do you remember um, when we were at the Luxor one year, we interviewed the, the chief chef or the master right. chef for the whole thing. And do you remember how I asked him one day, like how many eggs they go through? And yeah. I, I, it wasn't a trade secret, but it was one of those things where eggs were a huge because he said, you know, not only do we have to have eggs for people that are ordering, but we also have to have constant eggs for the buffets. <laughs> it was a 3,000 dozen a week something or like something, that. It was some crazy amount. An, yeah. It was a huge number. I was like, wow, we're the, the, talk about sourcing that. Um, so that's, that's what caught my eye is that now these now food halls are going to pop up offering some higher end selections and some different things besides just tra- traditional buffet stuff. In some cases, you'll be, uh, you could sign up for these food halls in advance and you'll get a QR code on your phone. So you just walk up and you could scan the code and either be charged later or maybe it's part of a larger charge on your bill. But gone are the days of walking up and wow. saying, hey, I haven't had sausage in like 10 years. I think I'll have sausage. <laughs> well, even when you and I did a lot of work with Vegas, um, food was expensive. But I had a friend, yes, it who, was. we have a mutual friend, Marianne, who just came back from Vegas. And she said it was outrageous. Um, Even and, worse than we suspect. Oh, my God. Amount of money they spent on food. Um, and not extravagant. You know, they had a couple of nice dinners. But it was, uh, it was expensive. Which you and I know that. You, can, we, you and I couldn't get, a, get away with lunch for under $150. Even if it was, if you got a turkey club and I mm-hmm. had like a grilled chicken Caesar, it was no, it was always yeah. like $70. $30 this yeah. time. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Vegas is And we expensive. don't gamble, Tim. So we were definitely helping those casinos. <laughs> no, very much so. My, uh, so that's a good story. We'll uh, have to keep an eye on that one. The, um, I'm wondering, what, I wonder if the shows are going to start uh, dwindling to close. too. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're expensive. You know, we, we had, as a sidebar, we wanted to see the B-52s at the Venetian. It was 500, 600 a ticket. I couldn't find a ticket, and I tried for under 300 in a decent seat. Yeah. That's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money to go to any concert. I wanted to go see Natalie Merchant in Philadelphia in April. How much? It was close to 1,000. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm not going to see Natalie Merton. I'll, I'll wait till somebody took, took video on the phone and posted this to YouTube. You need to be a so, super fan for that. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So my, um, I was roaming around on online and came across this Sunny D. Do you remember Sunny D, the flavorful I sure orange do. drink? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had it. I'm sure I have. Isn't it an orange drink? It's an orange drink similar to the McDonald's orange drink. You know, that wasn't orange soda. <laughs> it was an orange drink. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Sunny D, the flavorful orange drink chugged from childhood by millennials is embracing one of its more collegial cocktail combinations. So they, there's uh, some controversy. So Sunny D, which uh, was actually developed in 1963, and it said it later boomed in popularity in the 1990s, gar- garnering a loyal fan base because of its tangy orange flavor that is likened to a much sweeter tasting version of regular orange juice. And so this was a real popular thing, particularly with the millennials of, of uh, Sunny D. 
And it was it was a beverage that was marketed uh, by the Harvest Hill Beverage Company and uh, marketed to kids. So the same ones who also had Juicy Juice. Mm. Oh, and Juicy. Yeah, sure. Okay. So they would market these brands to kids. And so now people are upset. And uh, this actually uh, started in Canada, but the controversy is uh, is all over the place now. That um, Sunny D had asked the um, their consumer base what sort of brand extensions they like, and everybody came back with they'd like some one of these canned cocktails, like a, a vodka or a seltzer. You and I did that once years ago. We remember we picked them up in Penn Station, and they weren't that bad. Yep. So so they've uh, so they developed this vodka seltzer. It was developed specifically for adults twenty one plus who love the bold, one-of-a-kind, orange flavor of Sunny D, who also enjoy cocktails. So um, they're trying to address the concerns because parents and people are outraged that people are going to see the Sunny D logo um, on these cans, and they're going to mistake in it for the juice. And uh, so they have on the outside packaging, as well as right on top of the lid, that it contains alcohol. The interesting thing is, while it tastes like Sunny D, there's actually no Sunny D in it. So they actually did not use Sunny D, <laughs> but they were able to replicate the flavor so that it would actually work with the alcohol. So it's branded Sunny D, but they said there's actually no Sunny D in it. And um, so it's for sale, and uh, you'll be able to purchase it. They said this just, uh, this uh, category is growing tremendously. Uh, last year alone, sales grew 42%, and it's now a $1.6 billion industry that's distilled or, uh, these canned cocktails. That's like White Claw on some of these. Could you uh, repeat the numbers. number one point something billion? One point six billion. Billion. Um, okay. Yeah, and it, they grew by forty two percent from twenty one to twenty two, and uh, in these um, in this category, these are twelve ounce slim cans, individually packaged, and about a hundred calories per serving. So people like the fact that it's it's uh, not um, not high in calorie. Well, you're about basically getting the booze. And the seltzer minus a mixer, which might actually up the calories, right? Yeah. They said Mountain Dew is often uh, is also looking to do something, and people are upset about that because Mountain Dew, again, is a favorite of, of kids. And uh, Canada, because of the concern, as I said, they, they, they've exercised. They, if you listen to our show earlier this week on a TFG Unbuttoned, Canada got tuned up over a trans candy bar. This is... Um, <laughs> No, no, a, a trans individual, trans individual on a candy wrapper bar. of a normal <laughs> chocolate bar. Yeah. yeah. Well, the details. Yeah. The um. So, uh, Canada has decided to uh, update their country's consumption guidelines for alcohol. You, you want to guess how many drinks they said you should have? No more than this per week. Oh, I think they're probably saying two. Two. You're right. Yeah. And uh, they're associating alcohol with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've read this on. I've not heard of that. American. Have you? Yeah. So I have not, I've not heard that alcohol had, it was uh, one of the risks was the possibility. I, of I read it and I say to myself, this is one of those data points that any human being is going to read and just kind of say, okay, I get it. There's a risk. And they're going to order a beer or a cocktail because how long have we been drinking as a human species, as a human species goes? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when Betty Davis, when Johnny Carson asked Betty Davis if she was going to quit smoking. She just had her stroke and she was 80-something years old. And she just looks at her cigarette and goes, I've been doing it this long. I figure it can't be too bad. And she was talking out of half her mouth because right. of the stroke. Yeah, yeah. It can't be that bad for you. So, uh, yeah, so Sunny D. Look for the Sunny D. Uh, the summer, I guess, if you want to take a canned beverage to the beach or have it for your picnics or something. <laughs> Tim, I think we need to do a focus group, focus group, and test the Sunny D vodka seltzer. We should. You know, I posted, the, the, which looked disgusting. I did, we did a peeps test six years ago. I posted it on the Facebook page. And uh, they were they were Oreo peeps. I remember, remember the Oreo this? peeps, yeah. And people were upset because it was turning their mouths pink and their poop yeah. pink. Yeah. And... Uh, but it was... Uh, we were in you studio so, in New York. You bring up peeps. If, if you listen to us for longer than well we've been doing this for 15 years but back when we were on satellite radio we were big fans of peeps yeah and we every time something came on if it was christmas it might have been a tree like christmas tree peeps and then our sales guy got in touch with their their come their their people and they're like hey this is a great idea you guys love peeps it's a natural fit and then the note comes in from mm -hmm. someone higher up that says, well, thank you for your interest, but you know, we prefer to market peeps to tr peep to traditional families. <laughs> and then Tim was like, we're going to, no, no more peeps. And <laughs> yeah, didn't hear a peep out of us. 
<laughs> Except to do what we're doing now, which is to let you know, if you're a, tr- a traditional family, go buy peeps. Right. If not, sh- well. Shit can the pink ones. <laughs> so uh, as my old boss would say. So, hey, many of you know that uh, Deep Discount's been a friend of ours here since, uh, well, for quite a few years now. And uh, you can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Deep Discount logo, start shopping away. They've got a spring site-wide sale going on all this month. And uh, we've been able to have a lot of fun cruising through the entire site looking for great deals. So, Mr. Nash, what did you find this this week? You know, I was cruising around and I hit on a title that I really... so. How many Stephen King movies or how many movies that have been based on books by Stephen King oh, gosh. do you like? Now, you and I, did you just say The Shining? Uh, well, I love The Shining, but uh, you know, The Shining some of is these, a classic. Yeah, some of the other ones I'm a little creeped out by. Not, you know, not, I'm not a big fan of some of the ones except this here. This is The Dead Zone. And if anybody remembers The Dead Zone, it came out in, um, well, let's see here. What does it say? Well, it says it was released in 83. Okay, so this stars Christopher Walken as a man who has a car accident and goes into a coma for a prolonged period of time. And when he comes out of the coma, he has this ability that if he touches someone, like shakes their hand or holds their, you know, it makes contact with them. He sometimes gets these vivid, lived visions of their future, which is kind of interesting. And the I love this movie. I thought it was really well done because it's more psychological than anything. There's no, you know, people aren't getting shot or there's no ghosts. It's like, and it was directed by David Cronenborg. Hmm. Um, so uh, Christopher Walken plays Johnny Smith, a school teacher who awakens from a five-year coma to discover he has the ability to see a person's future simply by coming in physical contact. As I said, when Smith is recruited to help the police solve a murder, the horrific psychic visions he experiences makes him wonder if his new abilities are a gift or a curse. So Tom Skerritt's in it, Martin Sheen. It's got a great cast. It's a really tightly directed, good, well-told story. And I think it holds up perfectly today. So I'm recommending The Dead Zone. It's on Blu-ray. You get it for 2331. I bet it looks like it was made yesterday. That's what I always say about Blu-ray or 4K. They look great. So Dead Zone. Wow. I forget about the Stephen King stuff, but I, I don't mm-hmm. have to check well, that Well, you know, out. there's like Cujo, there's a band, yeah. The Stand, there's been a bunch, but one or two, like Shining in The Dead Zone for me are like perfectly done. Yeah. The um, I found I found something that I think everyone should uh, get if you're a fan of '80s or '90s movies. It's called the Iconic Films of the '80s and '90s 20 Movie Collections. So this is a box set. It's uh, under thirty-two dollars, which is unbelievable. I agree. And um, so it's twenty DVDs come in, and I was reading some of the some wait, of the wait, movies. Twenty. 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 So here's what's included in the set: it's uh, Airplane, Forty Eight Hours, An Officer and a Gentleman, Flashdance, Footloose. Beverly Hills Cop, Better Off Dead, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Untouchables, <laughs> Fatal Attraction, The Naked Gun, Major League, Ghost, Wayne's World, Juice, and Decent Proposal, Tommy Boy, Clueless, Election, and Payback. Um, and I didn't even name them all, but but talk about iconic 80s and, and 90s Tim, movies. Did you see and election? I thought for your collection. I I no, I did not. Oh, you need to see Election. I believe that is um, Matthew Broderick and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah, I did not. Brilliant. She plays Tracy, I forget her last name, who's running for like office in school. Okay, you you need to see Election. Well, I love, you know, I love uh, Matthew Broderick. I love Matthew Broderick. But uh, yeah, this has anyone from Eddie Murphy, Richard Gere, Costner, Witherspoon, Demi Moore, Harrelson, Douglas Broderick, Kuzak. I mean, on and on and on. I so didn't, uh, I'm, see, this is what I love about doing deep dives and deep discount. I, this is an amazing value. 31 bucks. 31.77. Yeah. And you get 20, 20 iconic movies from the eighties and nineties. So if you wanted to, someone who's a movie fan or it'd be a great gift or it's great to add to your library. So, uh, <laughs> I, you, you can't for $31 for all those movies. Can you, you know, deal? it's almost like Ron Paul Peel or I feel like we should throw in a set of knives or something. <laughs> <laughs> Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Um, okay, we do have a new release this week. And in fact, this is a movie. If you watch Sunday's Oscar ceremony, then you're aware that Brendan Fraser, who stars in this week's new release called The Whale, uh, Darren Aronofsky's was the director of this film. Uh, Brendan Fraser won Best Actor, gave a very emotional speech. Many of us remember him from The Mummy and George of the Jungle and a bunch of movies when he was younger. And, yeah. you know, he fell out of... Well, he he... Hollywood fell out of favor for him for a while because of some stuff that went on that was not good. 
and he's back, and I'm dying to see the whale. I'll read a quick description for you. Profound personal tragedy drove English professor Charlie, that's Brendan Fraser, into seclusion and binge eating to the point where now at 600 pound, as a 600 pound recluse, he maintains career through teleconferencing. His desire to reach out to the embittered teenage daughter, uh, who's played by Sadie Sink, he hasn't seen in years, will come with faithful, faithful consequences. So it's, star, it's directed by uh, Darren Aronofsky. And I do believe that um, Hong Chow, who also plays, I think, a visiting nurse, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, this past Sunday from this movie. So this is The Whale on Blu-ray, and you could pick it up for $16.99. I'm, I'm picking it up because I haven't seen it, and it's just one of those films that I've... It's one of those ones that came out, buzz, 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 con, right. film festival, the whole bit, you know, and it's this, this, this. Was this based on a true story? I don't know, actually. Um, I that's a great story. That. A great question. I even if it's not, it's it sounds like it could be right. right. A person who has a tragic event, they, 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 their body declines. They eat themselves into happiness. Maybe the junk eating, whatever. So yeah, I want to see this. Uh, so hey, spring site-wide sale, folks, at our partner here, Deep Discount. You can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo. Tim picked something I. Well, I'm gonna. I picked the Dead Zone, starring Christopher Walken, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. It was released in 1983. It's one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Psychological thriller, love it. Tim picked iconic films of the 80s and 90s. A 20 movie collection for 31.77. We are not adding steak knives. We could, maybe even add a toaster <laughs> for this one. But what a bargain! 20 movies, 31.77, 80s films. And the release this week is The Whale. And uh, Brendan Fraser just picked up a best acting, best male actor in this last uh, Oscars for this movie. It was directed by Darren Aronofsky. So go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and uh, start your shopping. So thank you, Deep Discount. We are going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we have a business birthday and a shop talk for you. So stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. That's right. We're pretty much available everywhere. Right? You just got to Google it, the focus group with, with uh, Tim and John or Tim Bennett and John Nash. And you'll find us, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify. I wonder if we're still in Sirius. <laughs> I don't know about that. No? <laughs> no. Not but over there. Spotify is the biggest. I think Spotify and Apple Podcasts are our two biggest Apple platforms. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Prime, yeah. all that stuff. Just mm-hmm. talk to your little remotes to find us. So, um, and follow along with us uh, at focusgroupradio.com. You'll find all of our media there. Be sure to follow us on your uh, platforms of choice. So without further delay, Mr. Nash, we have a business birthday today, March 15th. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. John, I'll be curious if you ever did this during the height of the craze. Alberto Beto Perez, born March 15th. It's his 53rd birthday today. Happy birthday, born 1970. He's a Colombian dancer, choreographer, businessman, and more importantly, he created Zumba. Do you remember Zumba? I did. The the, uh, the exercise craze. Um, Zumba was uh, created in the 1990s and involved dance and aerobic exercise, and it was accompanied by specifically Latin music. And uh, a lot of the movement were associated with the martial arts, uh, moves, squats, lunges, and other aerobic techniques. So Perez was born in Colombia, raised by a single mom who had three jobs. Uh, He always had a passion for dancing, but he couldn't afford dance lessons. So he won a national Lombada contest in Colombia. (laughs) I I think Lombada, I think of Ricky and the club. (laughs) So he he was accepted in one of um, California's uh, dance academies and uh, so came to the U.S. In 1999, he moved to Miami in search of the American dream, it says. And besides teaching aerobics, he also tried to promote this fitness dance routine that he'd come up with. And he tried numerous times to sell this idea. And uh, finally was able to, and uh, the launch of Zumba 
uh, happened. And then at the height of it, it's unbelievable how, how well some of these uh, Zumba um, studios could, have done. Could I guess. you call it almost a cult? <laughs> In a good well, way, like a fitness cult thing. I think so. They said the um, so in two thousand three, they said he had an infomercial, and uh, he also got some financial assistance to go on TV, and uh, he distributed these DVDs, and they would gain momentum. And um, he was trying to come up with a name for this um, program he did, and he took the word Roomba because he wanted to make it sound like Cuban musical genre. So he and his business partner, they began to replace the first letter of Roomba until they landed on Zumba, or Samba, which was S-U-M-B-A. And they ultimately decided to spell it with a Z because they liked the idea of the Z saying Zumba, plus he also liked the fictional character Zorro when he was a child, so he used a Z. Um, So in 2006, they established Zumba Fitness LLC. They would sell videos, products, music, licensing, and also um, put together a network of Zumba instructors. By 2012, they had 110,000 locations. Whoa, 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 whoa. 112? 110,000 locations. 110. Wow. Zumba okay. locations Zoom, and studios and, and gyms. 12 million people were taking the classes weekly. They sold 10 million DVDs in 2012 and sold $10 million worth of apparel. Um, during during the months of uh, of the height of it, uh, currently it says they employ 200 employees. There are reportedly 14 million people, and more than 160,000 locations in 185 countries. These are Zumba practitioners and dance and sing and music fans of the uh, the cardio and aerobic workout. They uh, also found that it was one of the best um, exercises to burn calories. You would burn on average between three to 900 calories if you really did it correctly with uh with the zumba class and they also had classes aimed specifically for elderly people and things with pools um you know they went through the down. weights in the water and stuff yeah, like all that, kinds right? of stuff and they said they it was high calorie burning it, it uh they promoted zumba as lowering the risk for heart disease reduced blood pressure cholesterol dot 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 the um made some uh some people famous with music including pitbull and uh, because they would use some of his music latin music Jennifer Lopez and Shakira were both fans. And I don't know anyone who's doing Zumba now. Do you? A lot of no, people do this soul cycle stuff. Yeah, it's 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 morphed or changed to the next big thing, but this was huge. Yeah, huge. but it's still it's still being done around the world. So in 2019 a Zumba Burnup was released by uh, Sega and Nintendo. So these were games that uh, you can get to do Zumba games, I guess on 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 your on your yeah, TV or yeah. Game Boy. In 2013 the uh, rabbinical court of the Ash Ashkenazi community of uh, of the Jewish faith decided they ruled against Zumba, said that uh, they weren't going to allow female instructors or female participants. They said because of the form and the manner and the activity of Zumba was at odds with both the ways of the Torah and the holiness of Israel, <laughs> and the songs associated with it. So Zumba was banned in Israel. And and probably the only two things these two countries agree on, in 2017, Zuma was banned in Iran. So both <laughs> Iran and Israel had banned I, I, Zumba due to religious uh, religious beliefs. So that Tim, uh, I'm honestly struggling to figure this one out. Yeah. A religious ban on people dancing. It, this is Zumba, as you were going. Th- the Iranians said this. I'll just finish. The Iranians said this was un-Islamic, and they've actually arrested people. In 2017, they arrested six people and accuse them of trying to change the lifestyle of the Iranian culture by teaching Zumba. They're probably hung. <laughs> I love that little bump, bump, bump. Well, you know, you up. see them with the cranes. You yeah. know. Well, no, I, look. Um, here's so anyway, thing. it's banned in Israel and... Uh, and, and, and Iran. They and both Iran. agree so on that. So they agree on that. So did you, when you were pulling this birthday, did you not have a flashback to Dancing with the Oldies? With uh, Richard uh, Richard Simmons, Simmons the yeah. idea of of dancing to music to lose weight. To lose I weight, mean, we all did it. We all did it in yeah. college. We all lost weight by dancing. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> why we parties. didn't come up with this. <laughs> <laughs> dancing to no. the eighties, John. Maybe we could do dancing to the eighties, and we could be a big hit at senior centers. I yeah. got a bad knee, but 
<laughs> but you know, dancing in the eighties was also expressive. You could use your arms and hands. So <laughs> you're in vogue, you do all kinds of things. Actually, I not like a bad this idea, guy. John. I like I like Alberto Beto Perez. Be Beto He's aged Perez. well too, by the yeah. way. He's keeping his shape. So that's a uh, happy birthday to the the uh, creator of Zumba. I'm just and shocked that it's still going on. You heard it here first, folks. Focus Group is going to come out with Dance to the 80s. Dance to the 80s. I was, uh, where was I recently? I was, maybe I was, I was sitting somewhere waiting for a friend and I was reading my iPad and I had like 15, 20 minutes to kill. I didn't want to go somewhere else. And I saw, and they, wherever I was, I'm trying to remember the place that I was at. They had an 80s playlist. And oh. at first it was the jitter, you know, wham, to do the jitterbug. <laughs> Then they played something from Tears for Fears. Then it was something from Tina Turner. And, you know, a lot of these songs had the saxophone. Remember how in the oh, 80s? Oh, everyone had a saxophone, <laughs> right? Every single song had a saxophone. The Eurythmics, everybody. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Saxophone. Oh, I think the song they played was We Don't Need Another Hero, which was used for uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I'm sitting there. I just kept getting happier and happier hearing all these familiar songs. And I just thought, oh, my God. My musical, my musical taste is broad, but a, a lot of the most uh, powerful memories are associated with that time period, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> the music. Hey. Oh, and then I heard them do the uh, the reflex. The reflex, flex, re flex, re flex, re flex. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what brought? I had a flashback to you and me and Marianne going to a bar in New Haven. <laughs> uh oh. And dancing to the reflex, the reflex and uh, yeah. you know the I forget problem what with the reflex is you had to speed it up. Mm -hmm. It could Ray, be a Ray, little Ray. slow. Duran Duran, <laughs> or as we used to say, flex. drone drone. Flex 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 flex. And you know this was the kind of thing where you know then oh then the last song I heard before I had to leave to to get coffee and tea uh, was um, played by the Fix, Saved by Zero, oh. and I had this. I had this vivid flashback Same to the first time I saw that video on MTV. Yeah. We were at my friend Hallie's house. It was a snowstorm in Binghamton. And uh, she said, gotta sit down. You're gonna love the fix. I remember being blown away by the song and then going out to some children's playground after having a little bit of the wacky weed and playing on a carousel. <laughs> a snowstorm. Yeah. I liked Red Skies at Night or One Thing Leads to Another by the Fix. Oh, fantastic songs. Yeah. Yeah. I think Red Skies at Night is is Red really Skies a great song. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was them, the flock of seagulls, men at work, all those. And stories. I ran, ran so far away. Yeah, telecommunication, telec. Remember that one? Remember we anyway, all had to going. learn what a Vegemite sandwich was. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you were smart if you knew what a Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. was. you're like, oh, it's men at work. You know. men at anyway, work. and then we digress. Well, we don't even need to do shop talk. <laughs> the um speaking of which what is shop i talk? know our shop talk this week john had found this and we joked about this harvard study this uh, study was conducted starting in 1938 harvard's harvard researchers embarked on a study that continues to this day and uh so the headline here is an 85 year old harvard study on happiness found that the number one retirement challenge that found the number one retirement challenge that no one talks about so they they they, they talk about um in this study they had I believe the health records of 724 people from all yep, over the world. from around the world. And they've asked very detailed questions over the, the length of time um, of these folks. And they keep getting different um, results, of course, as people have, have aged or have, have, um, have given the, the, uh, the information back to them to find out what makes people happy, what's, 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 what makes um, people satisfied, I guess, in their career. I mean, you name it, they can ask them, right? Why marriages work? Why don't? Mm -hmm. How do you eat? How do you diet? So um, in this this case, though, you had found this one, and uh, you've often talked about this a lot. So I'll let you, I'll let you uh, announce the headline. But so what is it that no one talks about that's the key to happiness? Retirees don't miss working, but they sure miss people. <laughs> so then you, you want people yeah. around. So when it comes to retirement, you know, a lot of us stress about the financial concerns of, of growing older. Or do we have enough money? What are the health problems going to be? Who's going to care for us? But people who fare the best, or according to the study that Tim was outlining in retirement, they find ways to cultivate connections and, and to keep connections going, friendships, acquaintanceships. Uh, and yet almost no one talks about the importance of this particular thing. And that's surprising because one participant uh, said that he what he missed about being a doctor for he, someone said do you miss being a doctor and he was a doctor for like fifty years and he said absolutely nothing about the work itself so he missed nothing about the work 
but I miss the people and the friendships. And this came up over and over and over. And, you know, when they, they, they wrote a lot about it, but I, Tim and I have literally just nailed it down for you to that, you know, connectivity with other people, maintaining friendships. It could be a 10 minute call with a niece, a nephew, a friend. These things are the things that made people happier in retirement. And I see it myself. I think, Tim, you've seen it as well with our parents. And, um, you know, as, as circles naturally shrink as we get older, right. our friendship, you know, making new ones is important. It's not always easy. And, you know, the, the other part of the study that was interesting was they said hobbies don't necessarily do the trick, do they? No, they, they don't because um, I, I think because they're a finite thing, right? Was that, was that, I don't have it right exactly in front of me, but I remember reading about the hobbies. It's a certain kind of thing. So you could focus your energy on a, on a hobby and you might meet new people, but it doesn't give you the same um, feedback loop as dealing with other people. And a woman named um, Ellen Freund, who was a former university administrator, she told the, the happiness study back in 2006, I wish I had paid more attention to the people and less to the problems. I'd love my job, but I think I was a difficult and impatient boss. I guess, now that you mention it, I wish I got to know everyone a little bit better. <laughs> I don't know. that. To, to me, the one, the doctor who said, I miss nothing about the 50 years of being a doctor, but I do miss the people. That sums it up for me perfectly. Right. Because hobbies are important, but um, say you decide you're going to take a painting, which is yeah. a very so singular solo thing for a certain extent, I guess. So that, yes, you would still, you, you might have the satisfaction of having a hobby, but um, you, you're still missing that human human connection. It's funny, my neighbor across the street, Joyce, she is so aware of this. She's really? 80, 84 years old. And she's got three book clubs. She reads to her grandchildren every day around the country over Zoom. She um, is constantly, uh, she's, she joined a writer's club. She, um, she does more than all of us combined. <laughs> but she, she says the same thing. She said, it's good to get out and have the connection and talk to people and hear people. Because I asked her how her book club was the other day. And she was talking about it. Two people gotten into a disagreement about a particular topic. But everybody enjoyed it. You know, it was all respectful back and forth. But um, and they'll read fiction, nonfiction books, and so it's uh, it's that connection thing. I'm looking for something like that myself here because it says you should start cultivating connections now for later on. I'm sure if you were you know people upstate, but I'm sure if you said you're going to spend more time up there, you might say maybe I'll join a book club or maybe I'll join. Actually, um, it's it's funny you bring group. this up because this is top of my mind is is intellectual stimulus. Yeah. And and that to me, for me, my world that comes from micro um, interactions, people I might see at the gym, whatever. And I'll bring up the gym because I'm now favoring more class situations like yoga or Tabata or like these yoga is an hour class. Some of these other ones are 45 minutes. And I know the instructor and I'll over time you get to know people and and there's just this casual chit chat. Everybody's in a good mood because they're exercising. <laughs> and, and even when I do my strength training or weightlifting, I still see people that I know and they'll say hello and everything. So the gym for me has always been one part staying healthy and fit. And the other part is definitely a social aspect. And I think about not being in the city for me personally, like I could open the window and hear people outside, kids playing, cars are going by. The activity is something that I find very stimulating. So I, I, Bob and I've had this conversation a lot about, do we, do we retire to the country where we've had a, a house and a, a great experience for 20 some years, or do we stay in town? <laughs> you know, if you're an accountant and if our accountant were listening, Tim and I have the same account, if he would be like, get out of town, it's too expensive in the city. But you know, when you do that, you're trading off all those connections with people, right? You are, but it, it'll be interesting to see as you age into your 70s 80s you, you won't use the city in your 80s as you use it now correct and actually so maybe a great point a little different our know. neighbors carol and john upstate live behind us and we have dinner with them now and then and they were here in the city and they had a place upstate for years they had a house yep. up there for 30 years they're now up there full time and they finally reached that decision exactly with the calculus you used how do we use the city you know right. what are we doing and they finally said, with our retirement funds and the money we're saving, we could take a train down to the city and stay for three or four nights at a hotel, right. go to the museum, see a show, come back, and boom, we've had our See fix. friends, have dinner, yeah. do it, yeah. Exactly, okay. see friends they still yeah. have, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, and, and um, 
but the the uh, I, I like this article that you picked just because I think the I think the human connection. We've all seen this with people, elder, elderly people who are are. Richard brings it up a lot in working in the hospital that um, lonely or lonely, They're quiet. Yeah. yeah, don't have people come see them. Don't have any interaction. And um, something certainly to be said for people that uh, have the human connection more so than those who don't. So. Yeah, so folks, think about that for retirement planning. Not just money, not just health, not just caregiving, but do I am I creating a circle of people that I can continually let grow or meet new people? Because those connections, according to the Harvard study, <laughs> right? Are according to Harvard. Study. Yeah. Harvard said so. Nothing but a Yale. What was that, Tim? Yale was nothing but a big party with a hundred thousand dollar cover. Now it's, you know, five hundred thousand dollar cover. <laughs> I told that story the other day, by the way. Of, Did you? You know, when I said there's Billie Jean King and the woman who worked for me turned around and said, she's not black. She thought that's, she thought that's who Michael Jackson was Billie singing Jean about. Billie Jean is said, not no, the tennis, the tennis player, Billie Jean King. That not was a generational. One, yeah, yeah, not the one Michael Jackson was singing about. I don't, <laughs> I don't give her a pass on that, John. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. You know, if somebody said to you, there's Babe Ruth, you know. I know who Babe Ruth is, yeah. She should know who Billie Jean King, King, King is. Yeah. Right, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially her. She had a, a expensive degree. She should have at least known. At who, least known a little bit. One of the most famous players in tennis. You know. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up there, folks. We want to thank you for joining us here on the Focus Group. Please also check out TFG Unbuttoned, and you can find out everything about us at focusgroupradio.com, including about our partner here on the Focus Group Deep Discount. They have a site-wide sale going on. Spring site-wide sale. I picked a movie that I actually love a great deal, Christopher Walken stars. It's an adaptation of Stephen King's The Dead Zone. It came out in 1983, but you could pick it up on Blu-ray. Tim picked a box set of 20s, 80, 8, 20 movies from the 80s, iconic titles you just can't live without. I'm going to put it back up here. What's the title again? Iconic films of the 80s and 90s, a 20-movie collection. Nicely done. And the uh, new release this week is Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, which Brendan Fraser just won Best Actor for this past Sunday at the Academy Awards. You could pick that up at Deep Discount as well. So we're going to close by giving you guys the warning we always give people, and I see it happening on the road all the time. Don't text and drive. Please arrive live, because when you do, you'll be able to tune in to us next week. So have a great one, and we'll see you on our next TFG Unbuttoned. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.